Wow. Thank you, <coughs> band and Sandy. I've never been in a song, uh, in the lyrics of a song, so, wow, what a privilege uh, and what a great song. Thanks, Ben Fakula, for the songs that you do. Well, friends, family, uh, it's great to be with you here at church this morning. Part of being a youth minister is uh, the seriousness of teaching the Bible, the business, uh, but also the fun uh, and the party of doing youth ministry. Uh, And my haircut, uh, which is a Johnny handmade haircut, uh, is business at the front, ladies and gentlemen, and lockdown party at the back. Uh, It just, it has to be revealed. And it'll be taken away soon, no doubt. I'm going to pray for us. So will you pray, friends and family at home, with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those who you've entrusted it to, who have passed it on to us. We thank you for the privilege it is to be a part of passing on the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, especially our children. We pray that this morning you will uh, encourage us again by the things of old. We pray that you will challenge us in our faith to persevere with you and with telling others about you, Lord. So we pray for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2008, at the Beijing Olympics, and most of you know I love Olympics, the four by 100 metre men's running relay race was one of the best of all time. The big guns were centre stage. The USA had four superstar runners who were jacked up and ready to break all kinds of records. But there was also four maybe lesser known in some ways or soon to be more well-known, laid-back Jamaicans who were all running sub-10 seconds and they were waiting to have their turn at victory as well. The gun went off to start the race. The first runners took off down the track and after not much time, the USA and Jamaica were both out in front. Moving into the second runner, both of these countries' teams extended their lead on the rest of the field, with Jamaica just edging ahead of the US by a bit. But then at the second changeover of passing on of the baton, Team USA dropped the baton. The Jamaicans took off into the distance, obliterated the world record, and history was made. In a relay, the baton is quite precious. It's small, it doesn't do much, just a small cylinder of metal. And even if you've got all the best runners in the world, if the baton is dropped, the race is over. Today, this psalm is reminding us, encouraging us, in fact, instructing us to not drop the baton to ensure a safe handover, to not forget the Lord and his wonderful deeds, to not hide the words, the truths of our great God, but to make them clear and known to all, particularly the next generation. 
This psalm of Asaph, a great singer and musician in the era of David and Solomon, wrote this historical psalm so that simply history would not repeat itself. That the people would learn the lessons of the past and go forward in belief and proclamation of the Lord, of who he is and what he's done and what it means to live for him. Now we're only looking at the first eight verses of this whole psalm, it's big. But, and we're trying to reflect, I guess, on the implications and applications for us as a church family at St. Michael's in our ministry to the fam- church family of all, all the generations. But it's important to note that the rest of the psalm helps us understand the history of Israel and what was not to be forgotten, what was not to be hidden, but was to be remembered, learned, known and passed on to write a new history. Today, I think this psalm is a huge reminder, but also a rebuke. And then, I think a refreshing refocus, lots of R words there for you, as a church to keep remembering, there's another one, of what we are doing and seeing our vision for our church, more and more disciples of Jesus, and what it means for us to be raising up more and more in our church family so that they might shine as lights in the city of Wollongong, in their families, in their schools, and in their communities, and beyond in the future. Well, point one, what are the things that we are to tell the next generation? What are the things that were hidden, hard to understand? Here, Asaph speaks with a parable, because it's kind of like a bit of a riddle, this history, to tell the story of the past so it might be revealed, taught and passed on. Things like how Israel was ready for battle and then just walked away and didn't keep their covenant with God, refusing to obey his law, forgetting his works and wonders in rescuing his people out of Egypt. You have Moses doing great miraculous things in the power of the Lord by parting the Red Sea and leading the people out of Egypt and providing for them time and time again. But then, like goldfish, Israel just forgetting it over and over again, continuing to be stubborn and rebellious in response to God and sinning. They tested God. They pleaded with God for food, for help, and time and time again he provided. And yet they would forget almost seemingly like the next day. Does it sound familiar? This is the plight of God's people, Israel. But every time we reflect on on Israel, it's not that far away. It doesn't take us that long to make the jump to think about us and how we forget the great works and wonders that God has done in this world, which is his world. For us, his people, how he has provided for us time and time again. And we might be like goldfish as well. This psalm encourages God's people to hear, and I really want to stress this point, hear the teachings of God carefully, not just in your ears, but in your hearts, in your minds, and listen to his words. Hear what he has done in the past And remember, 
hear from the people in our past and remember and take this going forward. I want you to just reflect for a moment on your past, on your Christian journey, on your Christian faith, and think about those who taught you the things of God, his works, his, de- his, his words, his deeds. Was it your grandparents or your parents perhaps, aunties and uncles? Was it your leaders at kids' church uh, or youth group? Was it your friends or members of the wider church family, perhaps even some older generations who passed on to you, younger generation? Who was it that spoke these truths into your lives that helped you to know the gospel of the Lord Jesus? We know that God does the work of saving us, but God gives us the privilege of being a part of this work in sharing the words of him with others. And what a blessing it is, and I want you to be so thankful for this, and this is a big part of what today is about. Thankful for those in your life who have passed on the message to you and your generation so that you may know God, that you may not forget him, that you may tell others about him. For me, my parents raised me in the church family, uh, particularly my mother, who was a steady guide in my life, uh, who taught me the gospel clearly, simply, plainly, but lived it out so well. For me, my youth group leaders were huge, especially as a teenager when my mother passed away. They were there for me, and some of them are in our church family today. They discipled me through the many challenges of life. They showed me the lessons that they had learnt and they showed me the way to Jesus and what it meant to live for him. And I have to say there have been some uh, older saints in the three churches that I've worked at. I can think of one or two at each church in particular that have really discipled me uh, and taken me under their wing even as I've sought to go and, I guess, pass on the baton to other generations. They've kept me going in my Christian walk. And there's been truckloads of people at St Michael's here in this church family that have done that for me. They've all played their part in helping me learn the lessons of life as a Christian, be reminded constantly, because we need this, of the big truths of the Bible, and kept pointing me to the gospel of Jesus as the answer in life. Friends, second point here, don't drop the baton. This is the big encouragement but challenge for today. Don't forget or hide the big things of God, the truths of him. So what does it look like to not drop the baton? in the relay of passing on the knowledge of God from generation to generation? Well, these next few verses, in verses uh, 5 and 6, they pick up the great command from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I guess they give us the roadmap for intergenerational ministry in our church and the handbook for our households 
as well as the manual for youth and children's ministry. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you are to be on your hearts. If give you today are to be on your hearts. And then it continues uh, with what we're looking at today. It's a longer version, if you like, of verse 5 and 6, which says, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them and even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Moses knew that for the word of God to be preserved, as it were, and he knew that it needed to be passed on to the next generations and further generations to come and further generations after them. It's quite astounding how he mentions that kind of long timeline. He's thinking far into the future. And as we sort of said before, this is how the word of God came to him and then he passed on to generations and then eventually it's come to us. You see, youth and kids ministry, and I'm quite encouraged by this and been reflecting on this the last couple of days, people will sometimes think it's a new thing, if you like, youth and kids ministry programs in the church, but if you look at this, youth and kids ministry has been going since back then. Moses, the ultimate youth and kids minister, perhaps. He's got a seriously good haircut just by the, just by, the by. He knew that these commandments, the core commandment to love God with all our heart and soul and strength, he knew that this needed to be impressed on our children, talked about when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up, tied as symbols on our hands, bound on our foreheads, written on the door frames and on the gates. Now, when you picture this, you think to yourself, seriously? Like, that's a lot of kind of repetition going on, a lot of particular, you know, little habits that need to occur here. But you've got to remember, we're kind of like goldfish, aren't we? We forget pretty easily. We need all these reminders, physical and mental, around us all the time. We must not forget. We have a responsibility. We have a privilege. We have a command that Moses has picked up here to pass on the message of God to the next generation. Now let's have a bit of real talk for a moment if we can. If I can speak a little candidly. Just imagine doing all this stuff physically. You think to yourself, why, why do we even need to? But how often in our families, in churches, in our communities, in our cities even in some whole countries, has the trail of Christians seemingly reduced in number or even in some places almost dried up. It makes us wonder on a large level but even locally at home and I want you to feel this because I know it's hard for all of us that we do forget that we do need reminders of the Lord God every day. We do need to speak the gospel to one another constantly. 
You wonder why it takes so much for us. Uh, you wonder why um, we, we, we need to take so much, I guess, drastic action to make sure we don't forget something that's so big and powerful that is the core of our life and who we are and our identity. But we are weak, we are frail, and the Lord God is big and he is strong and he carries us and he wants to remind us. I actually googled what the bind on the foreheads kind of thing was because I just couldn't picture it in one sense. I mean, the only picture I had was thinking about hockey trips and mates falling asleep on the bus and people getting texters and writing stupid things on their forehead. That was pretty much the image I had of what it meant to bind things on our foreheads. But the Jewish people, even today, they had these little boxes tied on their forehead. Assumingly, uh, I, I guess the law, the law of God, stuck to their head. You would hope that they would remember it. I mean, it's stuck on their head. Sometimes I feel like I have to put reminders all over the house for my boys to not make mess or to just be nice to their mum. Maybe I need to get the texture out every morning before they wake up and write things on their forehead. Who knows? Incidentally, Sam in the holidays wanted to remember something for the next morning before he went to bed. He wrote it on a post-it note and sticky-taped it to his chin and fell asleep. And I had to peel it off his head during the night. But he had the right idea. He didn't want to forget. And as silly as it might seem, it worked. Friends, we forget to do the basics of reading the Bible each day and praying. We stubbornly, lazily forget or even worse, disobey God and wonder why we continue to sin and feel like at times we're drifting or even our kids are drifting or even the church perhaps isn't growing. Verse 8 picks this up, this idea of this, I guess, disobedience. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn, rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Friends, we need to heed the warning and learn the lessons to keep our loyalty to the Lord God, to seek to be faithful to him, to not hide or forget ourselves what we know, but to pass on the baton. I'll give you a personal example. Even our church family today. Last night, uh, there was a farewell uh, time here at St Michael's um, where the, uh, Jeff Miller and the crew uh, have been doing interviews for Night Church uh, each week on Saturday night uh, with different people, interviewed me and uh, got some different people on and lovingly farewelled me. It was actually amazing. You really couldn't have asked for anything better in one sense in these times. Uh, and it exceeded all my expectations, so I'm very thankful. And one of the people in there, uh, Jeff Robinson, he spoke about what this exact passage is talking about today. Uh, and Jeff and Julie, as well as uh, Sean and Kaz Sanderson, they were youth group leaders of mine uh, back at DAPTO, Sunny DAPTO, when I was a young little toothpick teenager. And uh, they taught me the things of God, and I have had the privilege of teaching their kids. And then their kids have had the privilege, albeit challenge, of teaching my kids. This is what a relay looks like. This is what passing the baton on means. This is what it means to be a church family. 
not just the little biological family we have, but our church family as a whole, which I'll talk about more at the end. Friends, we do all this. We pass on the baton. We remember the things of the past, the things of old, the important things of God, the big truths. We remember the gospel day in, day out. We remind ourselves of it so then we can do one thing. We can help young people continue to put their trust in God. This is what has driven me in my ministry uh, for 20 years of doing youth ministry. This is what I'm concerned about most in my family. This is what verse 7 says. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. This is what it's all about. You wonder what, why we, uh, I guess, do youth and kids ministry, which can be hard at times. I'm not one of those people who will say it's thankless. I feel I've been thanked more often than I deserve uh, for the ministry that I've been doing to youth and kids. But it's a massive privilege to see children and young people put their trust in God with their life, even despite the world around them telling them not to. And if I pick up a few things from our church family and how they do this, I'll share this. I look into the weary eyes of those older than myself in the 8am congregation, particularly when I visit them from time to time, to tell them about the youth ministry or sell them some pies to support the youth ministry. And they don't even have to say a word. I just look into their eyes and I know they so desperately want to see the church continue to grow after their time. They want to see the gospel continue to flourish in Wollongong. They want to see the next generation trust God. I talk with Reg Piper and Peter Kell. This might seem irreverent, but... The two kind of hitmen or bouncers or bodyguards or front rowers of the faith in our city and the 8am service. Sandy, am I right? I think I'm right. Preach it. There we go. These blokes are in their late 70s, mind you, but don't, don't remind them. Uh, they'll challenge you. They're still going. They're pushing hard. But when I meet with them, and I usually like to talk to them and have them kind of either side of me, it just feels like I'm being lifted up off the ground. They inspire me and challenge me in my faith and give me energy to pass on the baton like they do. That's all I need, to see guys like that continue to do what they do for people like me so that I might do it for those around me. Our church, especially under Sandy's care and leadership, has had this central goal that people might trust in God, that they might know Jesus that they might not forget him, that they might obey his commands. Our church is a brilliant church, a beautiful place that I am deeply thankful for. And uh, it has sought to reach the city, to see more and more disciples of Jesus shine as lights in this city, and gee, this city needs it. And so my encouragement is to continue, continue to do this, Continue to pass on the message from generation to generation. And how do we do this practically? Well, there's a few kind of instructions, I guess, as I finish. I want to pick up a view from the pew from 2017, March 19th, by one Megan Ingle, whose daughter is in the building, uh, who wrote this great 
perfect, I think. She says she's not perfect and she's not. But just this great encouragement, I guess instruction manual for passing on the baton. She says, as a Christian parent, but I want us to reflect as all of us, all adults in the church, she says, to continue to pray for our kids, read the Bible with them daily, seek wisdom of godly Christian and Christian parents and grandparents and others older around, around them, to read books about Christian parenting, to talk about God in a natural way from the earliest of days, a la Deuteronomy 6. To answer hard questions honestly, to make church and kids' church, and I'm adding here, youth ministry, the top priority. To surround yourself with kids and like-minded people so that they might hear a consistent message. To take every opportunity for them to hear God's word and meet Christian young people to go on all the camps, all of them, all the events. And encourage their own reading of God's word and their own reading of Christian books so they might have their own faith now and in the future. She's written a lot more stuff, but I kept hold of it, Megan, probably for this day. Last night uh, it was joked that I often like some sayings uh, or quotes and I've got a bit of a fondness for using them and even particular fondness for maybe making them up or twisting them a little bit to serve my own purposes. But here's an absolute favourite of mine, which is the mantra for this passage today. It takes a village to raise a child. I'm a massive believer in this. I think all children need all of us to work together, biological family or not, for we all are family by the blood of Jesus. We need to work together, continue to raise the current generation and the next generation, the generations to come up in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour and as the King of this world. Friends, it has been a privilege to serve here. Uh, it's been a joy. Uh, and I want to leave you with these words. I wanted to leave you with two passages, actually. One was the 2 Timothy 3 passage that was read out earlier, so have that, because that's crucial. And then these words that I shared with the senior youth group on Thursday night, from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen.